Welcome to Diverse Tech Founders, a podcast about the one thing older than capital, people like you and me. Now here's your host, Abraham J. Williamson. Welcome back to the Diverse Tech Founders podcast. We have once again a hometown edition here in Nashville. Get a chance to learn and meet more Nashville founders and learn what's on the beat down here locally. First question to kick this conversation off is where we like to begin when you were a child. And we want to know if childhood Camilla would be friends with the Camilla that we see today because childhood Camilla didn't grow up in Nashville now, did she? She absolutely did not. (laughs) And uh, so first of all, thank you for having me on the podcast. I am honored because I know some of your guests before. So very honored for that. Childhood me would absolutely love and adore adult me because we're the same person (laughs) and I say that so I know you've heard of Simon Sinek right the his books find your why start with why right yeah and if you go through the exercise in the book everyone should do this if you haven't done it already okay but it talks about finding your why like what is your mission for your life right and it goes through a series of exercises that takes you through moments in your childhood where you say, oh, okay, that's, that makes sense. Like, this is what I believe, you know? So it's, it's things like, for example, I can see now where maybe in my childhood I was, I got along with everyone, right? I was never, I never really fit in anywhere, but I got along with everyone. So any group, right? So now I use that to connect disparate groups, right? So I can be in any room, whether it's an economic level, it's any gender, any race, whatever it is, like that group, I am, I can connect with anyone and I can bring those groups together. That's just an example. Yeah. Well, I want to stay here actually, because (laughs) I've been thinking about this since the first time that we met. Uh Uh, And I don't know why, but I was sort of bristled because I'm just used to being in interactions and environments where people are sort of sizing you up and like assessing you. And I got a sense from you in that encounter and subsequent ones that you weren't really doing that. And I personally think it's quite rare for people to be easily liked or likable or like people who are unlikable. So my question is, why did you have something? I'm sure something happened to you that gave you insight into why that would be valuable for you as a child and on into adulthood. So what happened? Well, you want to know the incident that yes, happened in yes, my childhood? We want to know. <laughs> no, really? Okay, so I'm a military brat. My dad was in the Coast Guard. We moved every like one year, two years, three years, whatever. And so I was constantly thrown into new environments where I had to just decide and say, hey, I'm going to go up to these people and I'm, they're going to be my friends. <laughs> You know, yeah. or I'm going to get to know them or I'm just and I just enjoyed it. And so it's just doing it over and over and over again, just introducing myself to new people, talking to new people. So I am that person. And I know most people aren't like this, but I am that person that can go to a party and I would just insert myself into a conversation and start talking. And I just I just assume that people are going to like me. Is that, is that wrong? Or you, I guess I guess maybe you don't assume, but your own inner happiness is not tied to whether somebody likes you or not, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And it might have been in a TED Talk, some famous speech somewhere, I'm sure, where they said basically the same thing, that if you want to increase your confidence level, one mental trick that people will do is when they walk into a room, they believe that everybody likes them already. And it sounds like you sort of do that. I'm a, a Leo, too, so I can't. <laughs> 
if we want to bring that into it. Yeah, we, we can and we will. And maybe we'll come back to this as we talk about Nashville a bit more, because I think that gives you an advantage here in very specific and unique ways, which we'll come back to in a second. Okay. But now bridge the gap for us in how you go from being the butterflower or butterfly, <laughs> being the butterfly flower, I guess we'll combine those, um, in all these different environments to how you got connected to technology. Uh, military uses technology, but I don't know if that's where oh, you kind of came into play. Like what happened from a technological foundational standpoint? I can remember the first Apple computer <laughs> that we had in our home, right? And so, yes, I was playing on that black screen with like the green letters. And what was it called? Dungeons and Dragons, where you like kind of choose your own adventure. <laughs> and I was doing like Mac Paint. I was doing pixel art. I mean, I didn't know it was a thing. Now it's a thing. I wish I saved some of my stuff. But I was doing like little drawing. Like I, we have a lot of creativity in my family. So I was doing like these little pixel art drawings and things like that. We always had like an Atari, a Game Boy, like all those game systems growing up. So it was... It was there, you know, it's always there. And I had a few things. I had a really good friend that was into technology. So we would, you know, when the iPhone first came out, we were in line, iPhone one, and I still have the iPhone. Yes, I am. <laughs> I drank the Kool-Aid. But um, I mean, it's just, it's technology, right? You get excited about it. Why not? And then I also remember in the early 2000s, when Second Life first came out, I had a, I had a teacher that did her advising in Second Life. And so I was like, whoa, wait whoa, whoa. a minute. Yes. Describe what Second Life, because a lot of people don't know that okay. that was what, that you had to be all in or not. It wasn't The Sims yeah. where you could ramp up. It was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember The Sims. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we did that too. But um, so Second Life is basically like this virtual world that you would go into. You have your own avatar. You make your avatar look however you want. I think they did have like concerts. They had stores where you can. I was like, wait a minute. You can make your own clothing. This is the early 2000s. You can make your own clothing and sell it in there. Like they had their own economy and everything where you can actually make money. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, and I was excited about it, but it wasn't something I think that caught on at the time. And then just, you know, keeping up with technology. I used to work in financial services. So I kind of understand all the cryptocurrency, you know, things. So just investing and getting in early, it's like, okay, why not? And then I also used to work for said, Snyder Electric <laughs> for in corporate, right? And so, of course, marketing the whole time. But we were doing like AR VR, blockchain, like that. this was industrial solutions, right? And it wasn't necessarily, I guess, more B2B, right, than it was. But we were always, being in marketing, you're always trying to find that new thing to connect with your customers at trade shows and things like that. So even just doing, doing things in a fun way, whether it's VR or just sh demoing like a solution that's an AR solution. Mm -hmm. And this was like, I don't know, Five years ago? I don't know. You know, it's it a while ago. So it's just something that's always been ingrained in everything that I do. I see. So you might describe yourself as an early adopter of sorts, which maybe segues into your current business, Greater Than Equal. So what is Greater Than Equal? I think it's a really dope sign. You have it trademarked, I believe. Yes. Right? Uh, oh, did you Google cool. it? I mean, it's, I mean, that's what it's for. Everybody should know, right? Like that's yeah. we, we pay for that. So, uh, but talk to us about what is greater than equal 
And from where did that idea come from? Take us back to the oh, birth gosh. of Greater Than Equal and walk us or, or run, if you like, up to the oh, present. <laughs> so Greater Than Equal was actually supposed to be a clothing brand. And <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, it was decades ago. I don't even know how long ago, decades ago that I made up this name and the logo for it, right? My mom sews clothes. We make clothes. I always like upcycle and stuff like that. And I'm always have this idea of this garment in my head that I want to buy, but it doesn't exist, right? There's always something wrong with the clothes in the store, unless you go, you know, spend a lot of money, right? And so, and so it was going to be a clothing brand, but then I was also very into sustainability and waste and people are spending all this money, but then you kind of live in both sides of the world where you see people that don't have, but people that have that are spending all this money. So I kind of I couldn't really do it. You know, it didn't make sense to me. But then I started my own consulting firm, 2019, worked in marketing for 25 plus years, left corporate, went to nonprofit social impact space briefly because when I connected with CEOs and executive directors, they were like, oh, you're in marketing. I need help with this. I need help with this. So you see all these people with these great missions, but they don't know how to like connect to people or really to accomplish their mission and they don't have the resources in-house. So I was like, well, I can start my own business, right? And so that's what I did. And I was like, I already have a name for it, um, Greater Than Equal. And to me, like, I think it's perfect, especially the timing, because I started my business kind of in COVID when everything was happening, you know, with Black Lives Matter. When it says greater than equal, like our focus is looking at things through an equity lens. And if you think about equity, it's totally different or it's different than equality, right? Like you're not just making sure everyone has the same thing. You're making sure that you're making up for the differences, right? And so to me, it's going beyond just making things equal. It's going beyond, it's changing systems. It's whatever that, that is beyond to create a totally different world. <laughs> we want to know. So yes. please peel back whatever layers okay. are, are there so we can get to the core. What are you selling? Like, what is the product? What is the service? And you use these very popular loaded words, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And yeah. folks who are aware of it, have very strong views about it, people, at least in my estimation, it seems like people who get it and understand that they do, people who don't are wildly skeptical, perhaps even stubborn from your vantage point. So what are you selling? What is the product? How do you communicate what it is you're able to provide? And you're looking at me like, I don't know if I'm asking. Weird, I just like to get to the heart of it. I want to know. So basically, we do Web3 events and marketing strategy for creative social impact founders in the areas of sustainable fashion, arts, and equity. We'll get to why I say equity. But everything that we do is through an equity lens. The way that people connect to each other is through having an experience that creates empathy. So you can hear about something that happens, but you're kind of like, even though it's a horrible thing, but if you actually experience and talk to that person and see how it affects that person. So maybe that's through a documentary or maybe that's through actually having a conversation with that person that you see like, oh, I had all the stereotypes about this type of person, but now that I had this conversation, I don't have that anymore. Or maybe it's even experiencing something through a VR or AR experience 
augmented reality, virtual reality experience where you can actually see how another person is living, right? And so it's about creating those experiences to make an impact. Did I, <laughs> did I explain that again? You did, and I have some follow-ups. Okay. I definitely yeah. have some follow-ups. The first one is... What is the price of empathy? And I know that's a weird question, and I have another one, too. I know it's not kosher to really ask two questions back to back, but yeah. the other one is who is looking for you? You know, like if, if, if I'm online, like what am I sort of typing in or what am I going after? What am I communicating to my tribe or network to say, well, you need to go talk to Camilla? So it's two questions. That and also what is the price of empathy? Oh, wow. Okay. So usually when people come to me, it's through the Web3 space, right? Because I do lots of panel discussions or sustainable fashion. I do lots of panel discussions. I do events. We, we hold a yearly event, right, that happens that has some type of Web3 experience. It's related to fashion and art and everything. And so because these are things that I talk about publicly, I get a lot of referrals. Or if people see what I do, I get a lot of referrals. And any of the events are always a very diverse audience, right? So there's a lot of organizations that have the ethos that they, they believe in equity, they believe in diversity, but they don't have the network to have that type of event, right? And so you would come to me and say, well, I, we need vendors, we need sponsorships, we need, you know, whatever it is that you need that will create a more enhanced experience at your event that will draw a different crowd to your event. And that will be strategic in a way that, because you know I work in the social impact space, it'll be strategic in the way that you are actually connecting to your audience and you're doing it in a way where you have legs. You know what I'm saying? Like you, it's not just, oh, I'm going to come in, I'm going to help you plan your event. It's going to be a great event and that's it. How does it tie to your mission? What are you doing afterwards to capture those same people and get them involved with your other programs? It's a strategy behind it. And, you know, I'm in marketing, so that's how I think. I think, you know, overall type of approach. So that's who comes to me. But then it's, I mean, it's, it's people with the same ethos that I have. You know, we kind of get each other. We're super creative. We like to do things that are like, wow, innovative, you know, outside of the box. Like, those are the people that I work with. You know, are, are there any people uh, who emerge as customers that are a bit surprising to you? Like why, how, what's the connection? I'm going to help you, but how did we get linked? So I told you my focus is fashion and art, right? So I shifted that. That's my focus, right? But what I've found is that the people that come to me are also not necessarily strictly in fashion or strictly in art. Some of them are more focused in equity. So that's why I said equity before. It might be an organization that helps to promote Black businesses, right? But the whole premise, the underlying premise behind everything is shifting economics, right? And so it aligns, but it's not like a direct alignment. But because we have those same underlying ethos, it works, you know, and we work together on that. You know, we're, we're about the same things. We're about sourcing the right people and, you know, really creating an economic shift. I want to answer the other question, too, that you, that you asked me. You said, what is the price of empathy? It's priceless. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, this is, this is something that is shifting our entire world as we know it, right? So I, I talked about, like, shifting systems, right? You are working in a system that lacks empathy, right? That's how, that's every system, whether it's, 
supply chain, whether it's, you know, tech, whatever it is, that's how our systems work now. And if you're willing to connect with each other globally, connect to different people and do that by having empathy and attempting to create empathy, that's priceless. You can't even put a a price on that. If a nonprofit or a social enterprise or a social impact organization or person, any person, any individual, because I think most people want to make an impact on the world. If that's what you want to do, then that's what you're creating. Like that's the bottom line that you want. You, you need people to be empathetic toward the issue that you're addressing. And okay. so that's, that's, I'm with you. I know like you're like, the, the don't you get it? Yeah. It's like the key to solving issues. Yeah. We can go deeper in that. Yeah, but. we definitely, we definitely do. And maybe this will help, you know, springboard us into a different aspect of this, this pool. What evidence of traction did you see early on that made you feel like not only was this a business to start, but a movement to grow? In particular, our focus is events. There's so many organizations and people that do events. And so the shift is that now people are like, what is Web3? What is the metaverse? I did an event in 2021 that was in the metaverse, right? Early. I didn't realize it because, you know, when you surround yourself with people, you're like, oh, this is cool. I want to do this, you know? So I did that. And at the same time that Mark Zuckerberg announced Meta, right? was like the week of my event, right? And so you're seeing that everyday people, I mean, we talk about AI, what all these different technologies, everyday people are on board and they're ready for this now, right? And so I think that's the major shift is that you have all these people doing events, but what is the next thing? People are tired of panel discussions. People are tired of, you know, speakers. Like, what is that experiential thing that you can incorporate into your event that it's going to make people say, wow, like that really touched me. And they're going to talk about it and they're going to can't wait to go to your next, your next event. That makes sense. So macroeconomics worked in your favor (laughs) here. That was, that was a huge piece of traction. And for somebody who doesn't know someone who's not their friend. I'm curious to know. Oh, I know people that aren't my friends. Okay, there it is. We <laughs> get into the real a little bit. Excellent. <laughs> uh, let's let's keep that where it is for a second because we want to talk about anyone in your personal network who showed up in ways for you that were pivotal to your success, but perhaps unexpected or unanticipated. Who in your personal network? was there for you. They showed up in ways that you didn't expect. I'm sure there are people who you were like, hey, I need your help. And they showed up. We love those people too. But this question is about people who just sort of surprised you and it was actually pretty consequential. Oh, wow. Okay. I have to pick two people. (laughs) Okay. So, so locally, I would have to say Clarence Edward. So Clarence Edward, he owns Say Gallery. So he's from Nashville, but he moved to New York, right? And then he came back to Nashville, right? And he brought the flavor <laughs> back to Nashville. And so not being from Nashville, I moved here in 2013, but I lived in D.C. I lived in New York before. And when you come to Nashville, you're like, okay, this is great. I love it, but it's missing something. It's missing those people coming together in diverse settings. It's missing like this fun. It's missing this edge. I know when I first met him, I was like, 
I don't know who you are, but, and this is like a while ago before he even came back. And I was like, but we have to connect, you know, I don't know what it is, but we got to connect. So when he came back, we ended up working together for the event that I was just talking about. And he's like, I don't know what the metaverse is, but okay. And and we also did a reception at his gallery, but it's just, it's just what he brings. And so each year and throughout the year, he's, you know, finding people for me to include in my other events or planning stuff together. It's just like having this common goal of lifting up people that are not normally recognized, artists that are not normally recognized, but then also creating just an experience that blows people's minds away. So we're, we have that common objective. And so that's been a great relationship. And then also I would say Nova Lorraine. So if you don't, do you know who she is? Okay. Look her up if anyone does not know who she is. So I do a podcast with her. It's called Crypto for Creatives. Actually, she was on a panel discussion that I did about the metaverse in 2021. And she was somebody that I met like back in the clubhouse days. And we were talking about sustainable fashion. We were talking about tech. So I was like, I got to have her on. And we just developed this relationship where we just clicked. And I never met her in person, hate to say, but I have not. But we will hop on the phone, we'll text, we'll do whatever. And we just, be, I think because we have the same underlying ethos and goals and, you know, beliefs about tech and, you know, we're very forward thinking, very visionary, um, that we just kind of like, you know, click. And so we're like, whatever we do, you know, like, let's work together. Let's So definitely unexpected, but definitely pleasant with both. Yeah. You truly know no boundaries. Virtual friendships, <laughs> just, that's, that's very special. And Clarence, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Brought the flavor, brought the color, the style, elevating it. I love going to his galleries. They are amazing. The events, it's always that's high energy. Met. That is where we met <laughs> at one of the many events that he's, he's had. And, you know, I got to say this as well, just because we both sort of know him. Also pretty influential in other people taking his style and trying to make it their own. You know, like you'll see that his flavor isn't just existing there. He's actually influential in other people kind of being brought up to speed. And that's a sign of a great leader, how, yes. you know, there are impersonators potentially out there who are trying to trying to kind of cop his flow a little bit. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Diverse Tech Founders Podcast. I'm Abraham J. Williamson, and we had yet another great guests to pop in. And if you enjoyed today's podcast recording, please give us a rating. You can do it right now on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, and we'll see you next week.